0: You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City in Norwalk, California. Today on our Harbor City campus, Pastor John Edmiston continues our Death to Selfie series with a message on the life of Daniel. Now we're going to be talking, uh, we'll be going through this series on Death to Selfie, about digital uh, problems and things like that. But uh, today I'll be sort of taking off on a tangent from that, and we'll be looking at having priorities that make all the stuff in the lo- in our life uh, a little less pressing, a little less confusing. I was really like that last song when it talked about being still before the Lord because in our modern society we do need to be still, we do need to uh, just let the Lord solve our problems for us and we need the right perspective. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be here this morning even though it seems we're rather few in number. Uh, Lord we ask for your grace and your peace over this service we ask that your righteousness and your goodness will prevail we ask that you will make your word clear and that we will be able to rejoice in you and rejoice in all that you're doing open our spiritual eyes open our spiritual ears and Lord move in us and help us to see what life's about and what you want our life to be about help us to grasp how spiritual truth can transform daily life and let us just uh, come into your word and help us to believe your word sometimes it just floats around and we think oh that was nice but it doesn't go deep so Lord we pray that today we'll go deep we pray that we'll hear it and we'll obey it in Jesus name amen Amen. okay so uh, let's look at the two bible passages first we're going to look at Daniel Uh, chapter 12 1 to 4 and then we'll look at a passage in 1 Corinthians and we're looking at the resurrection and how that affects our priorities in daily life so that's not in the wrong place there okay Daniel Ezekiel and Daniel 12 1 to 4 okay Uh, let's look at that Daniel 12 1 to 4 like the stars, forever and ever. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 55. This Bible has many things in it that shouldn't be in it. (laughs) That's my filing cabinet. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 55. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord of heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we are born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? So our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is that we will be raised from the dead, uh, better switch this on, uh, in due time. And so this is what the Apostle Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now the problem with us as believers is this has been kind of ridiculed in the past and called believing in pie in the sky when you die or what's this reward in heaven? And we have in recent years made the faith all about here and now, having good relationships, having prosperity, having this, having that. Uh, And we've forgotten about the eternal perspective of our faith. Or in some cases, people put hope in the rapture rather than in the resurrection. You know, press the rapture button, get me out of here before the exams, Lord. Uh, and so we have our hope in this, either in this earth or escaping from this earth rather than in the reward that God has prepared for us, in the heavenly reward. Uh, and let's just uh, have a look at that. We, we have hopes with a small h in our life, hope that we'll pass the exam, hope that we'll do well in life. And then there's capital H, ultimate hope. So our small H hopes are things like hoping in money, hoping in our children and family that they will turn out well, which is fine. Hope in social status and approval that we will go up in life, hope in our relationships. Some people put hope in science and technology or other people put hope in a political solution to a difficult uh, nation or whatever they're going through at the time. These are legitimate to some extent. But they cannot be ultimate, otherwise they to put too much pressure on us. If our ultimate hope is in money, in making money, then we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be forever saving up money, putting money here, putting money there. And, and if there's a you know, uh, hyperinflation or something goes wrong with the economy or we lose our jobs, that becomes an ultimate blow to us. Or if we put our hope, ultimate hope in our children, uh, which is, we should hope in our children, that's fine, but if we put the ultimate hope in our children and something goes wrong and they have a few bad years, they wander away from God, that is devastating because it is the ultimate hope rather than a small-h hope. And then you can put too much pressure on your children. Uh, and so uh, some parents put a, put their a total hope in their children so they're watching every exam, every tennis match, every golf match, every whatever they're doing, uh, their extracurricular activities, they ha- these children have to hyper-achieve because their parents are putting the ultimate hope in the child. And and when I was a careers counsellor, a lot of these kids that had high-pressure parents would burn out in the first year of college. I was a college career counsellor at one point. So too much pressure doesn't work very well on us. So we have to put our small H hopes, the ones that we legitimately have in doing well in life, in perspective with the capital H ultimate hope, of the resurrection and we need to get those in a right balance because human human life can fail us uh, and most of us have seen that happen at some point so the question we have to ask in our materialistic world is is this resurrection real is it really going to happen are you and I really going to be raised from the dead one day Is is God going to call out and we're going to rise from the grave and we're going to go up and have resurrection bodies? Is the the perishable going to put on the imperishable? Or is that just, oh, nice pastor talk, you know? Is that just stuff that pastors like myself say, or is it capital T true? And if it is capital T true that we're going to rise from the dead and stand before the Lord and receive rewards and all that, then that's the kinds of changes things. So number one, Jesus rose from the dead. There's plenty of historical evidence for that. You can look at the resurrection factor. You can look at books by Josh McDowell or or Morrison or all these other books. There's plenty of historical evidence that that happened. Uh, And if there's no resurrection, then we are all men most to be pitied. It's eat, drink and be merry. For tomorrow we die and we're the same as the pagans. We're the same as the Gentiles. There's nothing, no point in being a Christian. There's no point in being a persecuted Christian in China or something like that uh, because... uh, It'll be eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die and the unjust people win. If there's no resurrection, then injustice wins or we get stuck with eternal karma and continuous reincarnations. If there Either the Christian view of the afterlife is true or there's no afterlife or there's reincarnation or, or it's just who dies with the most toys wins. Now, reincarnation, when you actually see it in action, is a terrible doctrine I've spent quite a bit of time in Thailand and the result of believing in, in karma and reincarnation, the formal uh, Buddhist thing there is destroying that society. And if there is no resurrection, then Jesus is a liar And if Jesus, because he taught about the resurrection of the dead. Uh, and then if Jesus is a liar, there's no salvation and no gospel and the New Testament is false and why turn up in church? Huh? So the resurrection is true and everything depends on it. Uh, So how does it happen? Uh, I think there's three stages in the resurrection. Back back up, restore and transform. God knows every hair on our head. He numbers every hair on our head. This is hair number 1766 or something like that, right? He's got them numbered. The angels know every detail of our life. They know every molecule in our body. He knew our substance as we were being formed or before we were being formed being formed in the womb, he knew our substance. So God knows every molecule in your body and he's got it backed up. So if you're eaten by a shark, taken out by an atomic bomb, you know, or whatever, God has a backup copy. He's not defeated if something happens to you uh, in a car accident or something and, and there's not much left. So God has a backup of you stored in heaven, an eternal copy of you. And then he presses restore, boom from back up. and you are raised from the dead and all the dead from all the ages will rise on resurrection day and you will be raised and lots and lots of other people will be raised and then if you're a Christian you will be glorified the mortal shall put on immortality and you will have a resurrection body and you will go to the ages and ages to come through eternal life and you will have offices, you will have work, you will have things to do that are hinted at in Scripture and which I made a little bit clear a couple of months back when I talked about why God made the universe. And I said, the universe is God's gift to Jesus and to the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, which is us, and we will rule the universe as uh, as with Jesus. We'll be co-heirs of Christ of the universe, uh, with Christ of the universe. So we are raised as a glorified spiritual being with an eternal purpose. So when does this happen? It happens in the end times. And and it says here in Daniel, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, that's the tribulation, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book, the book of life. So it's going to be a great end times trouble. There'll be plagues. There'll be wars. There'll be famines. There'll be terrible things happening. There'll be an antichrist figure will arise, uh, and after this terrible tribulation, then the resurrection will occur, and people uh, will be delivered. And it says, "And many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake: some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt." I'll just spend two minutes describing hell in a way that might be a little bit unusual. My picture of hell is hell is like a giant thermos flask. Right? A giant thermos flask completely closed. So a thermos flask always stays hot, doesn't it? So that's what he- hell is. It's a closed system like a thermos flask and it stays hot because it's isolated. And, and But in a thermos flask, things decay. So if you are silly enough to put the milk in with your coffee in your thermos flask and you leave it for too long, you come back, Oh my goodness, right? Things decay. So they're the two things that Jesus describes about hell. Their fire does not go out uh, and their worm does not die. There's, de- there's decay and there's heat. So it's giant thermos flask, it's always hot and things go rancid in it. Right? And so the people, the wicked, the devil and his angels are put into this hot place. Dun, dun, dun. The lid's put on the thermos flask, it's dark. He it says it's dark, it's separated from God It's like a separate closed universe. Technically, it's called a closed thermodynamic system, but you don't have to remember that. (laughs) Uh, So it's this closed system that's dark, that's hot, and in which everyone in it uh, is decaying mentally and psychologically, and there's all these bad people going into bad states of being, and it's full of people that are full of torment and craziness, and you don't want to be there. Right? Forget about little red demons running around with pitchforks. Right? Just think of it as a giant, hot, inescapable, dark thermos flask into which the souls of the damned are put. Right? Okay, so that's the shame and everlasting contempt. But those of us who come into everlasting life, we come into an open system that's gardens and rivers of life and strange and wonderful beings and an eternal city The everlasting life is like this, but transformed to a glorious level. It's open. You have friends there. There's life, there's energy. It's the opposite of darkness. It's light and the Lord is their light. So this is completely open system. It's a glorious system. It's natural, it's wonderful, and we can enjoy that uh, everlasting life. Uh, And in this thing, there is a reward. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So our life now affects what we shall be later. The people who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who decide to turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. So the reward then depends on life now. Now, let me say your salvation doesn't depend on it. Your salvation is by grace through faith. You don't earn your salvation. Uh, and we'll cover a little bit of that later. So your salvation is not earned, but your reward in eternity is earned through faithfulness. And uh, I think I told the story last time I was here, I may have told it. Uh, when I was up in Alaska, I led a men's retreat. And one of the guys was a soldier uh, who had heard. Uh, served in, I think it was Syria, uh, and Kabbalah, that's right. And his friend was killed in Kabbalah. Uh, and, th- and, and, th- and three days later, his friend came to the guy I was talking to on the men's retreat in a dream. And during this dream, uh, my friend said to, uh, uh, to the guy who was deceased, he said, so it's real. And the guy who was deceased was like in outer space, and he was talking to him. And he said, and it was like slow, but very deep. And he said, yes, it's real. And my friend said, are you okay? And he said, yes, I'm okay, but I wish I'd done more. And then he says to my friend, do more. Right? Do more. Uh, get into it. Live your Christian life seriously, because there's a consequence, there's a reward for how you live now. Okay, what does Jesus say? Firstly, we're safe. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So if you have believed in Jesus, you are saved. You don't come into capital J, judgment, as in, you're not going to be cast into hell. Right? So if you believe in Jesus and you believe properly, you're not going to go to hell. Right? Uh, and you will not come into judgment. You're passed out of spiritual death into spiritual life. You will be with God in heaven for all eternity. So that's the good news. You are safe through belief. So then there's a voice. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Some people live evil lives. They're predators. They're con men. They're nasty. They engage in being bad. Now, years ago, I used to work in HR and I was sent into a to fix up a department of a certain government department uh, uh, which had broken 11 managers in succession. Uh, And this... This, there was a group of three women, which were the nasty women in this department. And I have got found out the head of the nasty people. And I spoke to her and I was training them in emotional intelligence and team building and all that stuff that you do in that job. Right. So I, I talked to this nasty woman privately and she said, I know I mean nasty and negative, but I like being that way. <laughs> and at that point, I realised why there was a hell. This person liked being nasty. That was her. She just wanted to be bad. She didn't feel bad about being bad. This was her power trip. And she was one of those women with the sort of high heels and the strut and the power walk. And the. <laughs> and she liked being the nasty person. She liked breaking the managers. So I recommended that she get transferred somewhere rather nasty. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so the the... This, these kind of people have a place, they, the wicked have a place, right? Uh, and, and there are those who have done good, they come to the resurrection of life. So how does doing good in the resurrection of life and having faith in God work? If you have real faith, you're going to do good. Your faith, Jesus in your heart, is going to make you do good things. Because if Jesus is in your heart, what does, what does Jesus want to do? Jesus wants to do good. Jesus wants to be kind. Jesus wants to be loving. The Holy Spirit in you moves so that you do good. So you're nice to your neighbour, nice to your family, nice to your work colleagues, etc. Right? I'm not saying you have to run off and be a pastor or a missionary, but you need to do good to your children and in your context and God in you will enable you to do that. All right? If you don't want to do good to people, if you just want to hate people and be nasty and be on a power trip, then Christ is not in your heart. You may tick some theological boxes, but those people who have nastiness in them, and you know some religious people, occasionally you see them on TV shooting their mouths off. Uh, those people that are just all nastiness—they're not; they're just religious hypocrites, right? So, if God is genuinely in your heart, you will want to do good. He will change your heart. He will soften your heart. And so you'll come into the resurrection of life because living faith produces good works. Now our good works are tested. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but we'll just look some verses out of that. Now if anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation of the gospel, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So, how you've lived your life will be tested by God. Now, you're not going into judgment, but your works are tested. Did you do, is your work good or was it strawry, etc.? So, why do I spend so much time in Bible study to get the sermon right? Because I want to work with gold, silver, and precious stones. I want to do good work and produce high quality things for the Lord, just as the things in the temple were sacred and holy and they were produced at a very high quality. God wants your life to be built on kindness, love, goodness, justice, truth, integrity. They're the gold, silver and precious stones. So we are often tempted in life to go for the straw instead because it's easier to stack hay bales one on top of each other and build something that looks big and glorious. But that, that life of compromise, the life of shortcuts, the life of dodging around and cheating on taxes and fiddling with this or that or the other and trying to get your own way, that is the life of straw. That doesn't get anywhere in God's eyes. The life of integrity, the life of honesty, the life of righteousness, that's valuable to God. When you hold to your principles, that's valuable to God. So as you come to, your, to, to before God, he will say, what was your life like? Was it genuine? Was it real? Was it gold and silver? Was it full of integrity? Okay. So if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet it's through fire. So if you end up before God, before the judgment seat of Christ, and Jesus is talking to you in heaven saying, what was your life like? And you're giving an account, and it was almost, and you didn't live it very well. You backslid, you did this, you did that. It was just, The works will be burned up, but you yourself will make it through. But as one who's come through fire, you won't be taking much with you into heaven. So the life has to be lived according to the rules, and even Paul said he runs a race with discipline, lest he, even the apostle Paul, be disqualified. So you've got to live by God's rules. You've got to say, okay, I'm going to live it this way. Now, if you've messed up, if you've done some dumb things, then okay, put that behind you and start running the race again, right? It's like a bicycle, you're riding your bicycle, you fall off, you stay there in the mud. No, or do you pick yourself up? No, you you don't stay there in the mud, you pick yourself up, you get on the bicycle, you keep moving, right? So put all that guilt and shame and junk from the past behind, don't beat yourself up, it's not going to help you one bit, and say, okay, I'm repenting, I'm getting back on the track with God, I'm gonna sort this out, and you're gonna live a quality life for the Lord. Okay. So here you are, you've lived your life, you're there, the voice of God comes, you're raised from the dead, what happens? So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and a spiritual body. So we find there's a process of glorification all right, so the little bit you do here results in a great big bit over there. You think that what you're doing now doesn't matter, but when you're raised in glory, you'll say, what? What is this grace that I have received? I have received grace upon grace. I've been, but you've been made a brother or a sister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're living for eternity. You're in the eternal city. You look like this magnificent spiritual being that's immortal, imperishable, glorious, undefiled. Right, So the little you do now results in a great glory down the road which is why Paul says he, he just laughs at his sufferings because they are nothing compared to the glory that is about to be revealed. So what we go through for God, the sacrifices we make for God whether it's time to have a quiet time in the morning whether it's a financial sacrifice to help a friend, a relative or the church whatever sacrifices you make for God uh, in time or compassion or taking that phone call really late at night when you didn't want to take the phone call, those kinds of sacrifices are going to pay off after the resurrection. There will be a glory that you receive because you you have uh, worked faithfully for God. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all changed in a moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So... When eternity intersects our present life, things happen instantly. Like when Jesus spoke to Lazarus who was in the grave, Lazarus was immediately raised. When Jesus spoke to the storm, the storm instantly was stilled. God does things in a moment because eternity is so much more powerful than time. So it's going to be overcome. We're just going to go boom and everyone will be changed. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So what, how does this work? How does this work for you? Firstly, you need to keep the end in sight. You need to run the race knowing that you're going to be raised from the dead, knowing that you'll be standing for the, before the judgment seat of Christ, knowing that your works will be evaluated. Now you're not going to go like be cast into hell, unless you're not a believer, and I assume most of you are believers. What? What is uh, uh, worship team? You can just wait three minutes. I'm going to, but you can get ready. Okay, you want to keep the end in sight because uh, you cannot. If you if you lose sight of that, you get absorbed in this world, right? You get absorbed in all the stuff. You're rushing here, you're rushing there, uh, and. This life takes over and you lose the sense of quality. You lose your direction. You lose what your purpose is here in life. And you want to keep that, that you're here for the resurrection. You're here for what you're going to be one day when you're raised from the dead and you enter into glory. If you miss the goalpost, if you climb the wrong ladder, if you climb the ladder that's up against the wrong wall, you're going to be in trouble. It says, you know, there's a old management cartoon about this guy is climbing this ladder all the way up, but the ladder's against the wrong wall, right? So sometimes we climb the ladder of life and success, but it's against the wrong wall. We're not going anywhere. We've got to the top of the ladder and it, it's empty. You see this with the Hollywood movie stars. You see this with some very rich people. You see with these people committing suicide and, and, and going into drugs. Because they have not kept the end inside and the end is the glory that you will receive from the hand of the Lord when you're raised from the dead. The next point in the conclusion is believe in Jesus. That will keep your soul safe. You have to believe in the Lord, read your Bible, pray, obey his commandments and living a good and holy life. It's tempting not to be holy. You think, oh, holiness is for this person, this person and this person. But gee, that's too much hard work. I'm just going to live an ordinary life. Right? And God has not called you to live an ordinary life. Yes, you can do the ordinary activities of life. You can, you can run your business. You can work in your job. You can do whatever you're doing. But you're to do it with a quality that has holiness, that has God written through it so that you're different from everyone else in that office. You're more honest. You don't cheat on the books. You don't uh, uh, take things home with you. You You're not like the other people. You're living a good and holy life. You want to do good works that are of high quality and which point to Christ. So think, what can you do for God? Can you help someone? Can you share the gospel? Can you lead a Bible study? Can you open up your house for a Bible study? Can you join a home group? Can you encourage people on Facebook? What can you do that's high quality and which point to Christ? Sometimes you might need training. You might need to go to a short course. You might need to uh, do a subject at Bible college. Whatever, but think about what you can do for Jesus that will last. And lastly, have faith during persecution. And the worship team can come out now. As as this world gets tough, as the tribulation comes, I, I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was in Finland at a conference of people from the persecuted church. I won't say where. But it was a high security conference. Computers had to be swept. No cameras, no cell phones, no nothing. Uh, and these people had suffered. Many of them had death threats on their life. I was there to talk about some technology things. There are many, many people going through horrible, horrible things for Jesus. And you don't want to throw away your faith when life gets tough, Right? And so when your life gets tough, when it gets frustrating, when it starts to ache and hurt, remember that you are an eternal being. You're a spiritual being having a physical existence and during this physical existence, you're earning a reward, right? Uh, God hasn't made you a cat or a dog to go to sleep in the sun because they get the reward of a cat or a dog. God's made you a human being with willpower, with morality in the image of God. And you're not there to go to sleep in the light. You're to be raised up, imperishable and powerful. So God wants you to take your life seriously because He takes your life seriously. The good news is God is interested in your life. He's interested in how you're going, right? I'll often come up to people and I will say sincerely, how are you going? How were you walking with God? What's your week been like? Because I'm interested in you and Pastor Ken's interested in you and all the other pastors are interested in you and God is even more interested in you and He loves you to bits. So every single thing you do in life, He's not standing away with a checklist trying to, to find fault with you. He's trying to find things He can reward. He's trying to find things He can bless you for. He's trying to find the good in you. Say, "Hey, look, look what my servant down there is doing. She or he is just so fantastic. Look at that church in Harbor City. It's so fantastic. Look at its worship." So God's looking for things to reward. Give him something to reward. Give him precious faith. Give him holiness. Get, control your tongue. Uh, be someone who's walking holy with God. Now we're going to have the worship team's going to come up here, and while the worship team's playing. I want you to think and re-consecrate and say, I and mean, I don't mean you, you're coming to Christ again, but I'm saying, maybe there's some junk you need to get rid of. Maybe there's some stuff you need to put aside. Okay? Maybe you need some prayer for me for healing and Pastor Bing, he's got to do, do the uh, uh, benediction later. But just come, just come down the front now uh, and just let that worship team minister you. The team will be down here at the front. Uh, I'm going to just pray now. Lord, I pray that every heart here will hear your voice. I pray that everyone will know that you love them. And I pray that you will speak to those who need to correct this or that or those that need to set a new priority in their life. And I pray, Lord, that the hope of your resurrection will be real for us, every single one of us, and we will start to reset our life and reset it and we'll be climbing the right ladder. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.